Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. The following contains descriptions of physical violence, sexual violence, and graphic descriptions of autopsies. Hey listeners, welcome to episode 66 of TGIC Podcast. I'm Jillian. And I'm Izzy. Okay, so just to keep you guys updated with like some scheduling stuff and whatever... As of right now, our plan is to have an episode come out each month. Like, this is our plan through the fall. Mm-hmm. Because we're both going to schools that are really, really far away from each Literally other. Literally thousands of miles apart. And, like, we didn't want to have to, like, record via the phone. And just, like, we don't know how the first semester of college is going to go. So, like, yeah. we wanted to make sure that it was, like, you know, we don't have to stress. But we also didn't, like, want to not do the podcast. Yeah, because we love you guys. Yeah, and we like doing the podcast. Yeah. So our plan right now is we're going to pre-record enough episodes to kind of have one come out each month through the fall. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and so we're very excited to continue the podcast in whatever capacity it is. And yeah. yeah. And we're hoping that an episode a month is enough for you guys. I mean... it should be. Because we have enough episodes at this point, like over 60. Yeah. But I mean, if people have... I don't, I don't know. You guys can wait. <laughs> Be patient. I would love to have been able to do more. Yeah. It's so funny. I feel like every school year we've cut down. No, like We literally. used to do one a week, and then like we started... Was it when we started junior year or senior year, we cut down to two weeks? Senior. I think it was junior. I don't know. Okay, I feel one like at one no. point we cut down to two, and No, because then... at one point we were doing Patreon, too. Yeah. So we were doing one a week and Patreon. I think that was during... That was like the uh, summer. That was really yeah. That great. was crazy. And then yeah. And then senior year we got wishy washy towards the end. But then we've been trying to get on one a month because yeah. you know we got college. I literally leave in like two weeks, which is crazy. I live in like a month. That's holy shit. A month? Well, not a month. A little bit less than. A month. I leave two weeks from Saturday. Oh my god, that's crazy. I know. I don't... Anyway. Um, anyway, it's anyway, like this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're definitely just really excited to continue the podcast. So for our August episode, we'll be covering the very well-known and infamous Natalie Holloway case. Natalie Ann Holloway was born on October 21st, 1986 in Clinton, Mississippi. Her parents, Dave and Beth Holloway, divorced when she was seven years old, and Natalie and her brother were raised by their mother. The three located to Mountain Brook, Alabama. Mount, did I say that weird? Mountain Brook? Brook? Why did you just say that? that <laughs> I don't way? know. I was like in a, I thought my podcasting voice sounded really good. In the Mountain way. Brook? I said it really <laughs> weird. Yeah, she's from Mountain Brook. Don't make fun of it. That sounds like something. What does that sound like? I don't know. Mountain Brook? For some reason, it's giving the same energy as Sounds those, like you like, work at Ikea. Oh, that's just not what I was going to say. Anyway, I was actually, you know, it kind of was. I was thinking about those dudes from Frozen, like the rock people. You know what I'm talking about? Like the trolls? Yeah, like the trolls, but they're like rocks too, aren't they? I don't know. Something yes. about Brooke. Like, I feel like one of them, their names would be Brooke. Anyway, she's from Mountain Brook, Alabama. <laughs> and she moved there in 2000 when her mother married George Twitty, who was this like wealthy businessman from Alabama. In May of 2005, Natalie graduated from Mountain Brook High School in Birmingham, Alabama. She was an honor student and was on the dance team. And according to her mother, she was very academically driven. 
Um, she, her mom was quoted saying that she was very smart, but just very naive. Um, she had planned to attend the University of Alabama in the fall on a full ride, and she wanted to go pre-med. Um, so on May 26th of 2005, Natalie and 124 other seniors from her high school took an unofficial post-grad trip to Aruba. Which is, like, a lot. I know. I was thinking about that when I wrote that down. Like, that's a fuck ton of people. That's like, so many people. How many people does a plane hold? Like, 200. Yeah, so that's, like, most of the plane. And, like, also, like, the fact that we didn't have a senior trip. Yeah, well, our high school's kind of big. Like, this probably was, like, their whole high school. Yeah. But, like, that's a lot of people. Like, can you imagine you get on that plane and most of your flight is a whole bunch of post-grad seniors? That would be so weird. I would be pissed off. I would, like, No, I would not be. I would ask that. to get off the plane. I'd be like, you know what? I can't do this right now. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of them going on this post-grad trip to Aruba. And there were seven, like, parent and teacher chaperones on this trip that checked in with the students every day. But, like, they didn't keep up with them 24-7 because, like, they were all, like, Obviously. They were all adults at this point. Yeah. Um, sorry, this is just a little tidbit. Um, I did mention it was May of 2005. Um, the weird thing about this case is that I've always kind of heard about it from my parents because it happened. I was born May 3rd, 2005, and this was, like, the end of May. And so at that time, like, my parents were just, like, home with me a lot. And, like, when the TV, you know, they'd just be sitting around with, like, their newborn Mm -hmm. and the TV would be on. And so, like, they, like, watched this whole case happen on the news. That's so crazy. Because I was born. Yeah. Like, I mean, I was, I was, like... The thing is, when we started doing this case, for some reason I thought it was solved. It is mostly solved. It's like mostly solved, but spoiler. It's not. But I know, <laughs> but because I, I was talking to my mom about it, and she was like, "Yeah, I remember seeing all this stuff on the news about it and stuff." Yeah, it's I don't like know. it's basically solved. It's just there's no justice. Yeah. Anyway, Which is the worst type. But, yeah. But anyways, okay. Timeline. So May twenty sixth, two thousand five, Natalie left for a graduation trip to Aruba with one hundred and twenty four of these other kids from her high school. The trip was supposed to be five days and four nights, which is like what the travel documents say. And the group was accompanied by their seven adult chaperones. It was like a mix of teachers and parents. Um, so supposedly the chaperones met every day to check in, but they stated that they weren't really there to like watch everyone's move, just to be like emergency contacts which makes sense which makes sense but also i don't i don't know I like these like, kids are freshly 15 some of them are not 15 <laughs> they're not freshly 18. 15 a lot of them are probably like not even 18 yet the only weird thing to me is i just feel like either you're there or you're not there not halfway yeah like i feel like you either let them go on their own because they're new adults mm-hmm. or like you're fully on top yeah and like, and, like you're sure like spending time i don't i don't know it also seemed weird because I know that there was definitely teachers on this trip, so it's kind of like a sort of school-sanctioned thing, but not yeah. really. That was weird to me because I definitely read a quote from a teacher that was there, and I was like, that's a little weird that there was, like, a teachers? teacher. I don't know. So that was just a little weird, but who knows? It was, like, a tiny high school in Alabama, so yeah. who knows what the fuck they were doing. Um. Anyway, during the first few days of the trip, the group was known to have been excessively drinking and partying, so clearly the chaperones were not doing their jobs. Yeah, well. and I mean, it was legal, so it's like, what oh, was shit. the Oh, shit, yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess they were all 18, yeah. Um, and this is, like, not just, like, speculation, because, like, they were, you know, 18. Um, apparently they were partying so much that they were told that they would never be welcomed back at the Holiday Inn of Aruba. They were banned from the Holiday Inn of Aruba. <laughs> oh, my. That would be something that would happen with our high school. Not me. I'm, I'm not perfect. Not us. It would not be us. It would be other people in our grade. That's terrible. I mean, how do you, like, I didn't even know, like, that could happen. Like, you could banned from a hotel. Like, that's, yeah. you gotta... I you gotta like, do a lot. Yeah, you gotta shit. do a lot to get banned from a hotel. Yeah. Um, according to her friends, Natalie had been drinking even more so than everyone else. 
They claim that she ordered cocktails every morning and even missed breakfast twice because she was, like, so hungover from the day before. And I'm not going to judge her. Like, if she's going to celebrate graduation, whatever, it was yeah. legal. YOLO. Um, I also think that, like, her friends might have been over-exaggerating. I mean, I don't know that for a fact, but I suspect that they were probably drinking as much as her, and they were just, like, yeah, throwing were, like, her under the bus a little bit. Yeah. Like... I don't know that. I'm just, the way it sounds is a little bit like they were all partying. And then, like, when people were asking questions, they were just like, oh, yeah, Natalie was drinking way more than the rest of us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, like, I mean, that's just, like, a self-protection mechanism to, like, be like, oh, yeah, but, like, I was. But also she was doing it way more. Yeah. I'm not, like, I'm not saying that's confirmed. So don't, like, come and sue me. I don't, can you be sued over that? I don't know. Anyway, I'm just, I suspect that it probably, it might have been extreme, but I'm sure it was, like, just as much as everybody else. Mm-hmm. All right, so May 29th, 2005, it was the last full night of their trip to Aruba, and Natalie and her friends were at a hotel casino where they met Jor- Joran. You don't know how to say it either? Joran. Joran. Vandersloot. Uh, he was a Dutch boy who claimed also, to be... I saw, I'm sorry to interrupt you. When I heard the name Vandersloot, the first thing I thought of was in um, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, like the people who, like the little candy people. The Oompa Loompas? Not the Oompa Loompas, like the, like the, uh, Lollipop Guild. The Lollipop Guild is from the Wizard of Oz. Oh. Then I'll see about the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Shut up, not the Lollipop Guild. I don't know, like, the way that they talk, I was like, <laughs> looking at the Lollipop Guild, mm-hmm. I was like... We are the Lollipop <laughs> Guild. <laughs> Dude, I don't remember why them looking so weird us? looking. <laughs> I mean, like, I remember they were weird looking, but what? New Halloween costume idea. I don't remember them looking so, like, odd. Not real. They don't look real. Like, they look like doll people. (laughs) Like, I thought I I remember them just looking more realistic. (laughs) I don't. Okay, well, that's interesting. Um. Anyways. Yeah, that's what I thought of when I heard Vandersloot. I don't know. And then I thought about, like, I don't even know. Anyway, um, back to the point. (laughs) Back to the actual (laughs) podcast. Um... He was a Dutch boy who claimed to be a tourist, and he was 19, even though he was actually 17. Which, like, oh my god. Yeah. I also, he's not actually a tourist, isn't he? No, okay, okay. he claimed to be a tourist. He claimed to be a tourist. Yeah, okay. So he's not, and he's also 17. Anyway. And he lived in freaking Aruba. Yeah. Okay, so him and his two friends ended up meeting with Natalie and her classmates at a bar later on that evening. So this is now the early morning hours of May 30th, 2005. This was then Natalie was last seen by her classmates. She was seen leaving this, like, bar nightclub thing. It was called Carlos and Charlie's with Joran Vandersloot. He was 17, but, you know, he lied about his age. So he thought They all thought he was 19. He They were also with Deepak Kalpo, who was 21, and his brother Satish Kalpo, who was 18, and they left in a gray Honda. Later that day, Natalie was supposed to fly home, but she never arrived at the airport. Her suitcase was found fully packed in her hotel room along with her passport. Almost immediately, authorities in Aruba conducted a search of the island in the water but could not locate her. Okay, you read St. X, right? Yeah, it was I'm, exactly like I'm that. so convinced St. X was based no, on it. No, because even, like, the, like, guy, like, we'll talk about later in theories and stuff, but there were a lot of things in it that I was like, that's literally the same thing. Yeah, no, I think it was, like, when I was reading it, like, they changed it, obviously, mm-hmm. the premise. Like, she was on a family trip in the book. Yeah. But, like, everything else, I feel like, is so similar. Yeah, and literally, the girl in St. X, like, was described to look like Natalie. Yeah. Hall, too. I think that's so weird. I don't know. I thought it was really weird, too. Um, anyway. Um, almost immediately, authorities in Aruba conducted the search because, you know, 
some girl from like Alabama in the U.S. just like went missing on a grad trip. On a grad trip, like that's a pretty big deal. She's like, eighteen. Yeah, and she's in this like foreign country. Like that's terrible for their tourism. Yeah. So they like immediately start searching, but which like find good her. on them. I mean, good on them, but it's doing. They're doing it to protect their image. I bet you yeah. when like local people in Aruba go missing, they're, they they don't, don't act do as anything. quickly as yeah. they did for Natalie Holloway, and that kind of fucking sucks. That does suck because they actually live there. Um, so later on in the evening, right when the Twitties heard that Natalie had missed her flight home and was missing, her mother and stepfather got onto a private jet with some friends to go to Aruba and find out what was going on. Which is crazy. How did they just do that so quickly? I know, it was literally, like, within the span of, like, 12 hours they were in Aruba. How'd they get on a private jet? They had a private jet at their disposal. But my thing is, why did they take friends with them? I mean, if they needed help. But it's also, like, they didn't, I don't know. I don't find that weird. You find that weird? I find it weird. Because, like, I was literally, I was talking to my mom about this earlier, and she was like, I feel like I wouldn't immediately go down there. Like, I would have waited a little bit to see if you, like, showed up. I don't know. Because that's, like, a lot of resources to pull that your daughter, who's already missed breakfast a few days in a row. I suppose, but clearly they thought it was important enough. Yeah. I mean, if they missed her flight home. Yeah, and also a mother's intuition. Like, maybe she... Yeah. And also, like, maybe the private jet wasn't theirs. Maybe it was, like, their friend's private jet, and that's what the friends had to go with them. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's, like, a logistical thing. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, um, she had been called by one of the chaperones on the trip because Natalie was late to meet everyone for their flight back, and apparently this, like, really freaked out her mom. And she just said that she knew immediately that her daughter had been kidnapped in Aruba. Why? Which is, no, literally, I saw that quote, and I was like, that's, that's kind of weird. Kidnapped is so specific. No, that's so specific. And clearly her parents, like, this is not as blaming her parents. Like, clearly they had nothing no, to do yeah. with it. But, but like... I'm sorry. My parents would not have done that. Yeah. Again, with, like, the mother's intuition thing. Yeah. Apparently, she said, too, that Natalie was usually very punctual, and that's why it rang alarm bells, but apparently, according to this, she wasn't very punctual anyway, so, like, that kind of was, like, a little... I mean, yeah, maybe it was just, like, this one trip where she was, like, I'm gonna let loose before I go to college. Yeah. I just think... I mean, like, that's fine. I just think that it's funny that her mom specifically said she was very punctual, and then, like... She hadn't been punctual, punctual the Yeah, exactly. So maybe if she'd known that, she wouldn't have freaked out quickly, but yeah. we'll see. Um, after only four hours of being on the island, the Twitties went to the Aruban police with the name and address of Joran Vandersloot. Beth Twitty told the authorities that the name was given to her by one of the employees at the Holiday Inn who recognized him on the videotape with Natalie. So it sounds like they like conducted their own investigation. Oh, yeah. They That's were crazy. thorough. Um, the Twitties, along with the friends they brought to Aruba and two Aruban police officers, went to the Vandersloot's house in order to see if Natalie was still there. Which is, like, a little bit weird that, like, the friends went with them, but, like, I don't know. Maybe they're, I, like, really close friends. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and I mean, I'm, I, yeah, I feel like they didn't want to go down there alone, and it's, like, there is more, like, power numbers, so. Yeah. Um, initially, when everyone arrived in the Vandersloot household, Joran denied knowing who Natalie was, and he said that he didn't even recognize her name. Then eventually he told a story that supported the one that was told by his friend Deepak later, who was in the house at the time that everyone arrived. Um, so the investigation. So Vandersloot's recall of the events that happened the previous night were just kind of sus. So he said that Natalie went along with him in the Calpos to Arashi Beach where she wished to see the sharks. But this was also at night, so I don't really know how that would have worked. They were probably all drinking. Yeah. Yeah. They probably thought it was like two in the morning. Um, then apparently they took Natalie back to the hotel around two in the morning, and according to Vandersloot, she literally, like, fell out of the car when they dropped her off, but she, like, he said that she refused any help to, like, get up or get to the hotel. 
He then claimed that as they were leaving, they saw a man in dark clothing, which was similar to the attire of the hotel security guards, approach her as she was going back to the hotel. And like Julian was saying earlier, immediately widespread search of efforts began in Aruba. Hundreds of Aruban and American volunteers scoured the area, and the Aruban government even gave like literally thousands of civil servants a day off in order to get extra assistance in search efforts, which is crazy. Yeah. I feel like the United States would have never done that. I think, though, like, a big thing was that they were trying to, like, protect their, like, um, tourist image. image. Yeah. Like, tourism's their biggest thing for their economy, and, like, they probably need to protect that. Mm-hmm. Um, Dutch Marines also conducted thorough searches. A Reuben, a Reuben Banks donated money to the cause, and the Twitty family were even given housing at the Holiday Inn that Natalie was staying in. And what's actually really interesting is that they gave them Natalie's previous room. Hmm. Um, and then they ended up moving hotels a little bit later, but yeah. Um, apparently, Natalie was not seen in any security footage from the lobby of the Holiday Inn the night of her disappearance. And there were, like, a few different contradictory statements made by the Twitties about, like, how their either cameras were not working or they were working at the time of Natalie's disappearance, which is, like, I don't know. I mean, people get confused over time and whatever. Um, like, I, in a book that they published, it said one thing, but, like, in the press, they were saying something else. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, also, the police commissioner at the time named Jan van der Straten claims that Natalie didn't even have to go through the lobby in order to get back to her room. So, it's, like... You don't even know if she would have had to go. Like, you wouldn't even seen her on the yeah. security footage anyway. Um, searches for physical evidence were really extensive, but turned up nothing except for false leads. And after months and months of fruitless pursuits of leads and alleged witness testimonies, the reward for her safe return amounted to $1 million. And for information on the location of her remains was now at $250,000. That's crazy. Which is crazy. Um, yeah. Damn. And I also read somewhere that, um, the Aruban, like, budget for their police was, like, um, like, they ended up using two million of, like, which was, like, half of their budget. That's On insane. this case itself. I mean, makes sense, though. Yeah. I mean, like. I just, I, because think about it, like, when you think of, like, a case that happened when, like, with, like, an American tourist in mm-hmm. another country, this is what you think of. Yeah. Like, like, this is always, especially someone who's, like, so young. Yeah. Um, all right, so we're going to get a little bit into suspects and theories. So the first suspect is, like, a really brief little theory. Yeah. Um, it's the security guard theory. So this is pretty limited, but it just seems necessary to include. So basically, in June of 2005, two security guards from a nearby hotel, which was actually closed during the time of Natalie's disappearance, were arrested under the suspicion of murder and kidnapping. It has never been officially disclosed why the men were arrested. However, a lot of people believe it was because of claims made by Vandersloot and the Calpo brothers. Basically, like, when they accused, like, some security guard of approaching Natalie. Yeah. Um, and these men were known for going around hotels to pick up women, and the police knew one of them from a prior scuffle. Nothing ever really came from this, and both men were released a few days later without charge. But um, see, like, that's kind of like like... That would be, like, if St. X, you know what I mean? Because, like, yeah, the no, people literally. at St. X worked at the hotel. The hotel. Anyway. Yeah. So, now we're just going to talk about Joran Vandersloot. Um, so, first off, let's just say, look up a picture of this guy right now. I feel like he exudes creeper vibes. I have actually don't think I've seen a picture of him in a while. He's really scary oh, looking. He is scary looking. I don't like I that. mean, like, he just looks kind of like a caricature. He does just look scary. 
He's just, I don't know. Oh. Yeah, no, Jillian's, like, looking at pictures of him right. right now. All right, you can continue. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just very creepy. I don't know. Anyways, Vandersloot kept changing his story throughout literally the entire investigation, which we have already been over a bit. And, like, while he first stated that he dropped Natalie back off at the hotel around 2, he then changed his story that they went back to the beach to look at sharks, and then he left her there, like, at the beach. Hmm. So, Vandersloot, as well as the Capo brothers, were arrested, like, so many times throughout the investigation, but then released over and over again due to lack of evidence and, like, to keep them. And... The first time that they were actually arrested under heavy suspicion was on June 9th of 2005. Allegedly, this was because of pressure from the Twitty family on the police to arrest the three men, even though they really didn't have enough evidence to, like, detain them. Um, because of the lack of solid evidence, the Calpo brothers were released on July 9th, and Vandersloot remained in custody for another 60 days. Also, his dad's, like, a diplomat, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's, like, gotta have another a lot thing. of influence, too. Um, they all kept getting arrested and then released, and because of this, they kept getting interviewed and their stories kept changing. Probably the most notable interview that Vandersloot did was with Fox News in March of 2006, in which he claimed that Natalie wanted to have sexual relations with him. However, he refused because he didn't have a condom, and after this, she wanted him to stay on the beach with her, but he couldn't because he told her that he had school in the morning, which is just, like, totally different from his other stories. And apparently, in 2008, Vandersloot told a convicted drug dealer, who was Dutch, some crazy stuff. And, like, apparently the, like, this was recorded by the drug dealer, who was paid by the police to talk to Vandersloot. Oh, like they gave him, like, a bug then? Yeah, exactly. And Vandersloot told the guy that him and Natalie had had sex and then all of a sudden, she had a seizure and just died. Huh? And then he said that he got a friend to take her body out into the ocean and just, like, get rid of her. And what's even crazier about it is that the Aruban authorities actually tried to get an arrest warrant based on the tapes, but the judge denied the request. Oh. But, like, I, like this That guy, probably has to go with the diplomat thing. Yeah, and I just, like... Is that diplomatic immunity a thing? I don't know. I mean, I don't... It seems like it didn't apply here. I just thought diplomatic immunity was a thing. What is diplomatic immunity? It's like when you're, like, um, a diplomat or you're, like, married to one or, like, if you're a kid of one, you, like, can just, like, leave the country. Oh. And, like, you can't be charged. But um, clearly that didn't seem like a thing here. I yeah. honestly don't know if that's legit. I saw that in Cruel Summer Season 2. This girl, like, kept claiming she could just, like, use diplomatic. Leave the yeah. Um, and at other points throughout the years, Vandersloot made some, like, insane statements that Natalie had been sold into sexual slavery, that he murdered her, and, like, the last recording that she had died by accident, and then he, like, disposed of her body. This guy's just, like, really sick. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff happening I, like, and I just, I really can't imagine being the Twitty family and, like, having to deal with this. Like, for years, he was, you're not getting a solid answer. He's basically just taunting you. No, he's literally taunting you. And they can't do anything about it because there's no evidence, like, that's any of, that's, like, sustaining any of these. So he's just going around telling news outlets and, like, random people all this crap. I don't know. Um, and then on March 29th of 2010, Vandersloot contacted Beth Twitty's legal representation and told him that he would tell them where Natalie's remains were and the circumstances surrounding her death. And 
This was only if he was given a $25,000 advance on the $250,000 reward money before telling them anything. So after alerting the FBI, the Twitties went through with the arrangements, and not long after that, Vandersloot told them that Natalie was actually in a house in Aruba. But not surprisingly, and really unfortunately, they quickly determined that this claim was false because the house hadn't even been built when Natalie went missing originally. So in response, Vandersloot was actually charged and indicted on charges of extortion by June 30th. Lots good. I'm glad he was charged with something. Something. And then this is absolutely horrible. Um, On May 30th of 2010, on the five-year anniversary of Natalie Holloway's disappearance, Stephanie Flores, a 21-year-old business student in Peru, was reported missing. Only a few days later, her body was actually found in a hotel under Vandersloot's name. Vandersloot had been in Chile, probably fleeing the country after murdering her. Yeah. And he was quickly extradited back to Peru, where he confessed to murdering Flores. Holy shit. Yeah. He said that he murdered Stephanie Flores because apparently he caught her on his computer without his permission, where she found information linking him to the murder of Natalie. Oh. Therefore causing him to lose his temper and murder her in response. Huh. Yeah, and he was found guilty of the murder, and he was sentenced to 28 years in prison. Mm-hmm. Which in is in jail. Yeah. In prison, whatever. And in June of 2023, Vandersloot was actually temporary, uh, temporarily extradited to the United States. Wait, where, June of 2023? Like, yeah. last month? Yeah. Holy where shit. Where he was tried for counts of extortion and wire fraud against the Twitties. And he pled not guilty to both charges, and I don't think that a conclusion of guilt has been determined yet. Wait, I couldn't find is he one. still in... The U.S.? Or I don't know. I don't know. I think he might have returned. Nonetheless, the disappearance of Natalie Holloway remains a mystery and may remain unsolved forever. And also, Natalie was legally declared deceased in 2011. See, like, this case is, like, basically solved. It's just there's no justice. Yeah, because they can't prove anything. Because he's he's actually, like, insane. Like, the, the way that, like... I don't know. It's just so infuriating. This is the worst type of case where it's like, you know who did it, but you can't get justice because mm-hmm. there's not enough evidence Evidence to support There has it. to be evidence somewhere. Somebody's covering it up. Oh, yeah. And also, by the way, um, the Calpo brothers, totally free. Have no... Okay, but, like, do we actually think they're involved? Because... I don't know if they're involved, but I feel like they know something. Because Joran... Yeah, I mean, they probably do know something. But, like, Joran's, like, the one that killed yeah, him he's five one, years no, later. Yeah. Like, he's the one who... Like, I think he's the one who did it. But I feel like the Calpro brothers maybe know something. I mean, they p- could be, like, being paid to keep their silence, too. Yeah. Like, who knows? There's no way to know. Anyway, this was the infamous Natalie Holloway case. Make sure to check out our other episodes and follow us on Instagram at tgic.podcast. Bye! Bye.